0: hey i'm dina i'm nikki and we're your hosts for cbd madcast cbd madcast is devoted to the legalization of cannabis and its impact in your community
1: visit us at cannabisbeyonddope.com
0: hey nikki hi dina how's it going today great how are you? I'm fantastic and I'm extra fantastic because we are back talking with Jeremy Moberg from Canisol Farms. We have him on the phone he is on the side of the state and we decided to capture him at the coffee shop and have a conversation. Hey Jeremy how are you today? I'm great how are you? Oh fantastic so excited to be talking to you as always you know I'm I have a little fandom going because you're one of my favorite people in the industry ever we met Uh. at the very beginning of my time anyway and so what I wanted to do was I wanted to get you on the phone today and find out what you've been up to. What is the passion that's burning you since the last time we saw you?
1: Well, the most recent thing was the uh, Cannabis Advisory Council, which is a gathering of all of the associations that meet directly with the Liquor and Cannabis Board. You know, maybe not the sexiest topic to talk about, but these are the guys that, that we have to live under their regulation. And as you know, and many people in this industry know that are in it, that it has been cumbersome and not always great for businesses. We saw traceability boondoggle come about and now just ground on and really cause a lot of pain in the industry it just like day to day business operations. So that you know, that's just still an ongoing the headache for the industry that it looks like we're just gonna have to live with. I'm much more focused on core principles behind the market, which are really not going well. We're seeing a lot of small businesses going out of business. It's really too bad because a lot of these people were lulled out of the black market and told to come into the legal market, risked everything. They know people that took second mortgages and cashed out their 501s and just were all in. And then were just put out to this marketplace, which hasn't supported the businesses. So we've seen a lot of pain and suffering in this, in this industry. And the, really the core reason is because of overproduction you know we've seen this even even a more extreme example is in Oregon where they've gone so far as to introduce a legislation exporting marijuana. The one tenant that the federal government said that they didn't want to see, which was interstate commerce. But it's sort of a testament as to how much overproduction and the damage that it can do to a market. None of us really want government controls or production controls. It's not a great thing. But remember, marijuana only had value because you could go to jail. <laughs> and when we legalized, we made a deal with society that we were going to tax and regulate. And we were going to create an economy that supported jobs and supported tax revenue. And that was how we got the sheriffs on board. And that's how we got many people that were sort of not you know, not that excited about legalizing marijuana. The LCB didn't really think about it in the beginning and just sort of opened up the window to applicants and we just got as many as we got, which, which is fine. It was early on, but now they really need to do something about it and they have done nothing. They have taken no actions to improve the marketplace at all. And it was really interesting because the agenda item that they put up for the last meeting was uh, diversity in marijuana and small businesses. And as you probably know, Washington's in this industry is fairly white. There's not a ton of diversity. There is some, but there's not a ton. And so they're interested in how can we increase diversity? Well, the first thing is, is create a marketplace <laughs> that actually supports small businesses because opening the door to increase diversity to fall off a cliff is not good for anybody. And I would not invite anybody into this industry right now. So it was an interesting conversation with the L C B which really kinda came back to how are we going to create a marketplace that supports the jobs, the tax revenue, and the kind of the kind of living wages that we want to see in this industry. And so I had a lot of very concrete examples about what they could do that they've never done. Because they they operate at the rules level and those rules is really the only power that they have so one of them is canopy production and there's a lot of producers out there that are producing over their allotted canopy and so when we first brought up the overproduction issue they were like well maybe we do maybe we don't let's do this canopy count so they sent a team out and they did this big canopy count well those results are in and they had 40 something people producing over their allotted amounts and they're not going to do anything about it so what they're teaching everybody in this industry, if you're a producer or a processor, is if you ignore the rules, you have an advantage. And that has been really, really just detrimental to the people that are following the rules. Another example is that discounts to retailers are, are illegal. They've never enforced it. So you go into a store and you're negotiating with a retailer partner and they say, well, the last guy just offered me 30% off its list. Are you going to beat that? And it's like, well, that's not legal and I can't do that. But of course the other guy who didn't, wasn't gonna follow the rules already did that. And so, you know, the person that followed the rules isn't getting the sale. And the person that is, that is ignoring the rules is getting the sale. And the list just sort of continues on down, down the uh, pipe. And what it's really leading to is a conglomeration of market share with the largest corporations. Which is by the way the worst thing for diversity and it was really telling, you know, here we are sitting around the table with the LCB and they're they're wanting to talk about diversity and the two most diverse people that had been represented on the Cannabis Advisory Council by their associations are out of business, that was an African American man and an African American woman, they're out of business. So we're already less diverse now because of of the LCB's unwillingness to actually to really be the gatekeepers of a marketplace. And they've really never admitted that that is their role. And it's about time that they started admitting that, and it's about time they started doing things to try to improve the, the economics behind this industry. So that was what our meeting was. Cannabis Advisory Council It happens quarterly. They didn't convene us for two quarters, which was fine at the very last meeting last year. Told them like, don't bother reconvening us. All we're gonna do is identify the same problems and never have a solution. And so then they skipped two. It's like well, all right, at least I'm not driving ten hours. And um, wow. And then this, and this time they were much more focused. You know, Ollie Garrett, who is the chairwoman, she was much more focused on what can we do. You know, so I was very focused on well, this whack says that you should enforce discounts. This whack says that you can enforce over canopy grows. This whack says that if you haven't produced up to fifty percent of your canopy, then that canopy gets reduced. So just nibbling at the edges getting more compliance with the producers and processors could go a long ways. And, you know, and they just turn their heads towards this conglomeration to this corporatization of the of the industry. When you get the biggest lawyers and you hire the right lobbyists, you can violate all the rules. You know, there's strict rules against multiple ownership in this state, right? Producer, processor, Ooh. licenses. But, of mm-hmm. course, we see the biggest that just work around that. And they've got massive amounts of production and they've all worked it out with their lawyers and their lobbyists We're all friends with the lcb exactly and, you know yeah.
0: it's kind of a familiar story perpetuating, right? the, yeah the perpetuating the of- system yeah exactly and you know the other thing that's interesting about the lcb that we find is that they're more into enforcement than support for me i would think that at the beginning of a burgeoning industry that's bringing in in the first year billion dollars and the fifth year five billion dollars in taxes why not be more supportive because that's what civil servants how civil servants get paid so i appreciate that they want to make sure everybody stays safe we need to focus in a supportive burgeoning growth then we need to put the hammer down or that we need to ignore like you say whack. Whacks
1: are what the bureaucracies create in order to implement the RCW, which is the laws that are passed by the state legislature. So they're kind of where the rubber meets the road. The LCB can't go beyond RCW in developing their WAC, and so they're kind of restricted in, in things that they can do. So when people come to the to the LCB and say, you know, if we just had if we just had public consumption or we had lounges, that would help with the overproduction problems. And that's a great suggestion. It probably should be taken to the legislation. There should be some liberalization about smoking dens and things like this. But when you go to the LCB and you say that, that's really not their ability. So it's really important when you're talking to them to stay on message about what can they do in order to improve the situation. My whole recent approach is policy making through memos. They were kind of complaining about, well, we don't have the resources to go out and monitor everybody's canopy. And I was like, well, you'd be surprised the sort of compliance you will get if you just wrote a memo that says, hey, we're watching and you can't grow over canopy. And if you do, and we catch you, this is what's going to happen. But you will get people thinking twice about planting double what they're supposed to plant.
0: We've seen the repercussions of anybody going against an LCB officer, so I can imagine that that would be a very powerful tool for them to use since they've laid the smackdown pretty hard in the beginning of this industry. I could well imagine the memo would be a fantastic way to go.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's all we can get is a memo, and I was really heartened by the industry got a memo from the WSDA maybe it's a topic worth bringing up the pesticide thing we could do a whole uh, podcast on just the pesticide issue which is a lot more complex than just weeds poisoned in the legal market (laughs) you know there there (laughs) is some of that going on but there's also a lot of confusion surrounding what's actually happening and what the actual risks are versus what the hype is surrounding
0: Let's uh, definitely have a podcast about that for sure. And there's a couple others that we want to touch on with you also.
1: Yeah. and we, But we did get a memo from the WSDA, which I'm really quite happy about, which is that they're saying that they're going to start doing random audits on grows and showing up and unannounced without the LCP, And they're going to look at your records and they're going to take tissue samples and they're going to test those for illegal pesticides. So that's yes.
0: huge. Yeah. That's um, huge. needing
1: this. For a long time and a lot of people are presenting other solutions for pesticide testing and all of them are just so onerous and so expensive that they're going to put more burden on farmers that are already not able to make a living. So I I was very happy to see the WSDA take on that responsibility and I hope that people that are not legit on pesticides get a knock on the door. And I would love to see some of these companies that are using illegal pesticides to be out of
0: business. Well, it's about time agriculture got involved. Yep, absolutely. What a great conversation today, Jeremy. And we're going to get back in touch with you because the next topic that I do want to talk about before we get into the pesticide is I actually want to talk about florigen. So I'm going to key up everybody to get excited about our next conversation going. And that's going to be a pure educational conversation. We're going to talk about how plants do things, and we're going to make Florigen a household name.
1: All right. Well, that that sounds great. I look forward to that conversation.
0: Thanks so much for sharing it with us today, Jeremy. Good luck. Have a good day.
1: All right.
0: Bye. Bye. Follow Cannabis Beyond Dope on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And click the like button. Check out more podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Contact us or check out all of our content at CannabisBeyondDope.com.